Check Podcast. Mm. Episode 64. We got a special one for you this evening. Yes, yes. Uh, there's a lot of talk happening about the town that uh, everyone's communicated they, they want us to get into. Uh, and so we're going to get into it. Um, so we got a lot in the agenda. But first things first, allow us to introduce ourselves. My name is Perry. I'm Rashawn. And we make up the Risk Check Podcast. Tonight, we have a very, very, very special very special friend very, very special of the friend. pod. Uh, you might recognize him uh, from an earlier episode uh, where he was a guest, but tonight he's our guest co-host. Yes. Uh, our comrade Ben is absent this evening, but none to fear. Jason Gong is here. Thank you very much. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Appreciate you brothers for having me back on. It feels like a lifetime ago. It's a little reunion. Yeah. yeah. Feels Absolutely. good. It's good to see you. It's good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for those that that, that don't know, uh, if you are in the dark, uh, Jason, we had him on almost a year ago. Probably over a, a year. Over, a year, over a year. It was May of 22. Wow. So a year and a half almost. Crazy. A year and a half almost. Yeah. And uh, Jason had just launched uh, Complectum. Yes. And uh, you want to take them through the audience uh, a little bit about what Complecto is and-, and Yeah. Who, what brought it to fruition? Absolutely. So Complecto is a community and a platform that is focused on advancing diversity and inclusion in the watch industry and the collecting community more broadly. And, and really what we're focused on is elevating underrepresented voices in the space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it was born out of my desire to create something that I wish existed, right, which was a space for enthusiasts, collectors, people who just were passionate about watches, curious about watches, a space where all those folks could just get together and connect and share without the pretense, without any judgment, without having to worry about whether they were knowledgeable enough Mm. or if the watch on their wrist was expensive enough. Mm. You know, participating in the hobby as a collector for a long time, you know, I, I had been in a lot of spaces where there just were so many barriers to entry, right? Yeah. Whether it was your knowledge or your mm-hmm. perceived lack, you know, per- perception of, of how much you knew or, <clears throat> you know, what you were wearing, right? Right. <clears throat> For example, there's some people they believe the sun rises and sets with Rolex. Sure. Right. And, <laughs> and there are some people that can't stand Rolex. Yeah. Right. Uh, and you got folks all across that spectrum. And for me, you know, I just felt like. This should be a lot easier. It should, it should be a lot lighter. This is it should. It should be fun. It's a hobby. It's supposed yeah, to be fun. It should be fun. So yeah, that's what Complecto is about. It's about creating access and opportunities for folks that historically haven't been in spaces, yeah. right? Like mm-hmm. the ones that we have the opportunity to be in, um, to give them that level of access, to give them exposure to the brands. And equally important, right, is giving brands in the industry exposure to people like us, yes, right. People that come from communities like the ones that we come from, sure. people who uh, the brands in the industry don't necessarily understand very well, mm. don't necessarily know how to engage in a way that is authentic, right? And so, Complecto provides an opportunity to connect the, you know, largely underrepresented consumer collector enthusiast. Mm-hmm with the brands and the industry. And and we help to facilitate that dialogue. We create value on both sides. Yeah. uh, And and we're working with brands to help them find ways to meaningfully and authentically engage with the customers that I believe uh, represent the future of the industry. Yeah. No, that's incredible. I remember when we first met and, you know, you had this this drawn out conceptually. Mm -hmm. And I, I was very impressed. And then to see you, you know, have brought it to fruition and to have experienced it for myself, um, and I'm sure Rashawn can attest to this as well, but one of the things that was really impressive was how it's it's almost a uh, full 360 degrees uh, ethos about uh, inclusivity and, and diversity, and not just uh, diversity in uh, the people occupying the space, but diversity in backgrounds, whether mm-hmm. economic or cultural, and diversity in collection. Absolutely. And uh, I was just so taken aback by that. And I still am at every event I attend. So uh, kudos to you, my man. Appreciate and I know you got some more stuff cooking up this year. Yeah. So we're going to get to that later. Yeah. Uh, but before we continue, we have to have our honorary wrist check, as yes. is tradition. Yes, yes. Uh, the man who never repeats a watch. <laughs> yes. What do you got on tonight? One I haven't seen in a while. One that hasn't been seen in a while. One of my favorites that you own, as a matter of fact. Yes. Um, I am wearing the Rolex Cellini Danos. Uh, Classic. Two-tone precious metal. 
um, white gold with the rose gold bezel, um, rose gold hands and indices. Mm. Um, Heater. I put it. I decided to put it back on the um, patent croc mm. because before I had it on the genre. So mm-hmm. I had it on that red, which gave it that pop against the rose gold. Um, since I've been wearing the paddock for a while, um, Mary, my fiance, w- was wearing this one. She enjoys the black over the red. But I think the red is my personal favorite. But you know what? If she wants to win, she wants to enjoy it. I say, you know what? It's your world. You know, <laughs> put it on. Happy life. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Sharon is Karen. Um, I'll go next. I'll save our, our guest co-host for last. I'm I'm wearing a new watch on the show. Woo. Uh, I'm wearing Oris. Hey. Wow. So this is the 2022 Full Steel Holstein Edition. Yes. Uh, this was a repro of a 90s piece that they did, uh, positioned as the Oris World Timer. Um, I love this watch, man. That's I fell good. in love with it the day that I saw it. Yeah. Um, kind of reminds me of like, a weird little version of a fifty-one sixty-four. Mm. Um, you got the two, the two, the two travel time buttons at the bottom here, uh, so you can add or deduct an hour uh, for your local time, um, or I should say your travel. T- no, it's your local time, mm-hmm. and then your home time. You got a sub dial at three o'clock, and uh, on the nine o'clock side, you have a second sub dial. You know, I'm a sucker for subdials. Yes. Uh, I'm also a sucker for typeface. And you have this like really, really interesting, almost like pre-1920s kind of era, like typeface thing happening here. Yeah. That's kind of cool. It's just a mashup of a lot of different design styles. Uh, in addition to that, I, I took it off the bracelet, uh, which there was some debate there i was going back and forth i didn't really mm. know how i wanted to wear it initially mm-hmm. when i first got i was really excited i was like oh it kind of looks good on the bracelet then i was like taking the, taking it off and putting the strap on it, and i was like kind of looks good on the strap so yeah. i sent some pictures to the group chat that we have uh to let the guys kind of help me decide and i must have taken and, and, and putting on each piece at least three or four times yeah. before i settled on on leaving on the strap, but yeah. I'm really happy about this piece. Actually, this piece came with us. We all went to attend the Oris event mm-hmm. in Atlanta for the release of the uh, Hank Aaron Watch mm-hmm. the Dream Foundation. The pointer date, yep. The pointer date, and mm-hmm. this Beautiful was the watch piece. I brought with me uh, to accompany me during that that time, and I'm, I'm still in love with it. It's a solid piece. I'll tell. Yeah. And, and the strap that you chose is yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It's the ostrich. The ostrich, right? uh, yeah, like. Caramel ostrich yeah. strap. And that's nice tone contrast. The tone it, it complements the watch. Yeah. Beautifully. It looks like it it should have come that way. Almost. Yeah. No, I'm I'm yeah. really enjoying it. It's quite yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh you got a special watch on this evening. I do. I do. I I'm wearing the uh the Ming Chronograph. Okay. It's a 20.01 series two. And this is a really, a really cool watch, man. It is uh grade five titanium, hmm. a modular case. Uh, but the magic is really in the, you know, it's like you could say, ah, oh, the magic is in the movement, but it's not just in the movement. Sure. It's also on the dial side. Yeah. So for those who are uh, not familiar with Ming, uh, they are a small independent brand based out of Malaysia mm-hmm. and uh, a young brand, too. Yeah, uh, really? I think you're just over six years old. Mm-hmm. And what they've been able to accomplish in such a short amount of time is uh, phenomenal, in my opinion. Uh, the, the design language is unmistakable. So yeah. Any Ming uh, that you see, you will recognize. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I think is really special about this piece is, is it's a part of their special projects collection, okay. which is basically like an in-house skunk works, right? Mm-hmm. That's where they they kind of allow themselves to go a little crazy right. with designs and materials and movements. And that, that tends to be where you'll see uh, the limited pieces uh, okay. come. And so this is powered by... And Agengraf, mm-hmm. which is made by uh, Agenor. Uh, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it, but it's a manual wound version of the chronograph movement that is in the Moser chronograph, nice. oh, wow. which yeah. is an automatic. Yeah. yeah. And the uh, the quality of the finishing and the construction of this of this movement is just phenomenal. And then on the dial side, you actually have three dials. Mm. So the dial is composed of a, I believe, a grade two titanium 
base style with the beautiful guilloche, kind of a pre de clou, mm-hmm. right? Hobnail pattern around the periphery. Then you've got a second dial, which is a laser etched uh, in a mosaic pattern, a sapphire dial. And then you've got the third dial that, that kind of sits above that. Um, and it's, it's just, it's phenomenal. It is a 60 second, excuse me, a 60 minute chronograph. Mm-hmm. So it's got the 60 second um, counter with the, uh, excuse me, 60 minute counter with the jumping minute hand, okay. mm. which is cool. And if you know anything about Ming, you know, they like to loom their watches. Yes, so they do. they've got the high ceram, you know, all over the style. So, you know, the end result is just a lot of depth, mm-hmm. something that, that looks incredibly, uh, it's beautiful, but it's technical, it's dynamic, yeah. it's simple. And that's what I think is dope about Ming. They, they do a, an incredible job at straddling the line between pieces that look very elegant right right and legible yeah uh, but they pack a surprising amount of technicality into them as well so no, for sure yeah, yeah. it's kind of like uh like a concept car yeah so i feel when i wear it yeah, yeah that's awesome yeah. yeah you know one of the things i really enjoy about ming too and, and we talked about this once was um you know you mentioned sort of the idea that like you could see one and automatically recognize what it yeah. is right and I think oftentimes we can take for granted how difficult that actually is to pull off. Yes. Right. How do you make something that you've seen a million, a billion times over fresh? Yes. Right. How do you make it feel new? And it's not many companies that have been able to channel that. Yep. Where, especially in case design, where you could see something from across the room, mm-hmm. they have their own design language that mm-hmm. resonates with you. Like you automatically know mm-hmm. what that is. Moser is a brand that comes Absolutely. to mind for sure. Yep. Uh, and then you think about some of the more iconic styles that are really popular today. But Ming, I think, is also a company that has 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 hit that and struck that chord. Yeah. Um, and it's 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 a lovely watch. It's really nice. They really have their own design language. Once you know the brand, you also realize that they have a, a, an amazing cult following. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like a lot of guys that I know that own Ming's have at least. At minimum two. It's at yeah. least two. At least two. <laughs> it's rare to find the Ming collector that only has one Ming. Yes. And yes, I'll be yes. honest, you know, when Ming first came out, I was, you know, I, I thought that they were cool watches, mm-hmm. but they didn't really, I wasn't captivated by them, mm. you know, and there is a, uh, a community that I'm a part of called the Watch Club Society. Mm-hmm. And there are a number of really like fervent supporters of the Ming brand, real, yeah. real evangelists. Mm. And over time, as they started purchasing and collecting more Mings, and I got more exposure to the brand, I came to appreciate, you know, yeah. virtues of the watch that I think make make the brand really unique. Yeah. You yeah. know, is it, from other brands of the manufacturers, it's like they don't manufacture these watches. They yeah. design them. Yeah. Right? And they work with a portfolio of partners that mm-hmm. help to bring these watches to life, right? Yeah. Folks that are making and finishing the cases, folks that are, are making the movements, making the dials. And so it's this collaborative effort, right, yeah. that I think is really dope uh, that you've got all these different partners that help to bring this vision to life. So it was a, a different, a non-traditional way, sure. right, of creating watches. Uh, and to the point you made, from a design language standpoint, that's probably the single most difficult thing really to achieve. Is. Yeah, really in any discipline, mm-hmm. right? It's not just watchmaking, right? You could you could look at architecture, you look at cars, right? Just from a design standpoint, yeah, to be able to create an aesthetic that is unmistakably yours, yeah, uh, is probably you know the hardest thing it's to really achieve. Tough. Yeah, you know, it really is, which is why you see so many brands, right? copy or or, exactly. or be inspired by right yeah. they pay homage to mm-hmm. icons like the royal oak or sure. like the submariner or the date just and the day date right you know there's a reason why those are the most copy designs because they're mm. just great designs that's good so you know that just i think is uh it speaks volumes right yeah. to you know ming and his and his mind mm-hmm. and yeah. his ability to to create you know an aesthetic that is unmistakable and you know it's it's caught on <laughs> yeah it has it's yeah. caught on it really has yeah uh, speaking of communities, speaking of evangelists, yeah, uh, you recently attended an, an event. A good friend of ours, yeah. yeah. Uh, shout out to Jonathan Ferrer, yes. Uh, and Blue Watches, awesome watches, man. Awesome watches, yeah. Talk about building yeah. an aesthetic. So here's here's someone. He's you know and, and the cool thing about like brands like Ming and brands like Brew is uh, you actually have access to their founders. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's right? the va- that's the biggest value proposition. <laughs> that is such an underrated thing. It really is. It, that's how I ended up 
getting this watch. Wow. Ming was in town last year. Mm -hmm. He was taking meetings mm -hmm. uh, with uh, just different different enthusiasts and collective communities. And so I had an opportunity to, to attend, sure. you know, one of these uh, meet and greets, right? And I got to see this watch in person because when it first came out, it was in the middle of COVID. There was no way to see it in person. Yeah. And, you know, it was a... It was an expensive proposition to sure. put a 50 a 50 percent deposit down on a watch sight unseen yeah. you know and so they flew and i thought i missed my opportunity and um so i i was able to actually handle the watch in person when i did i was like yeah i fucked up yeah, yeah. yeah. it was yeah. one of those moments where it's like as soon as i saw and i and you know i had an opportunity to speak to the team that designed sure. it yeah. no brainer so yeah. anyway i got put on a wait list and one became available and here i am but to the point that you made right like Jonathan is another one of those types yeah, of guys. And Jonathan just released a new watch, the mm -hmm. uh, the Brew Metric. Yes. Yeah, the automatic. The and automatic. It's, 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 it's a cool watch. Super cool. And so again, you got to attend this event. And, yeah. And you, did you get to handle the watch? I did get to handle the watch. A, a collector friend of mine um, had purchased one. Oh wow! And okay. so yep. And so he had one. And I'll tell you, man, it's I've had the the opportunity to spend a lot of time with Brew watches. They're mm -hmm. very popular. Uh, among the enthusiast community, certainly here in New York, mm -hmm. right? And I've had the opportunity to spend a, a decent amount of time with Jonathan this year, in particular at the Wind Up Watch Fairs, mm -hmm. where Complecto has, you know, has, has had a presence as a sponsor along with Brew. So I've had a chance to really handle the watches and see them out in the wild. And uh, again, we talk about unmistakable design. You yeah. see, when you see a brew out in the wild, you know, yeah. you, know you know exactly what it is. What it is. Yeah. And, it, you know, again, achieving that is, I think, such a, a remarkable feat. And what Jonathan has been able to achieve again in, I think, nine years, the brand is I know, around. it's crazy. It's, it's a baby. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's phenomenal. So it was awesome to be at this event yeah. uh, that he had hosted. I think it was in an art gallery type of a space mm. uh, right on Broad Street, off uh, on Broadway, right off of Canal. And a beautiful space. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, he had um, you know all of the watches out, which was wonderful. Mm. But he had a really cool digital art installation as well, mm. which I really appreciated. And you know, highlighting what was a really awesome campaign uh, for the automatic metric. Uh, he's a, a big sports car guy. He's got yeah. a GT3, so there was a really, <laughs> a really dope, uh, you know, kind of a, a GT3, um, you know, metric automatic campaign, and all the different screens, the lights. It was really, it was, it was dope. It was interactive. Yeah. It was, it was an experience. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Uh, but you know what? What made that experience so great? It wasn't the watches. It wasn't all the amazing people that show up to support mm -hmm. the brand. It wasn't the installation. It's, it's Jonathan. Yeah, and he's so. The humility, you yeah. know, that that guy has, you know, anyone that's ever had a conversation with Jonathan, he has one of these rare qualities as a person that when you're speaking to him, it's like you're the only person. It's like you're the only person in the room. No, nah, he's really good at that. He's so present, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and he's so sincere in the way that he engages with you. And for a guy like him to have had the success that he's had um, still be at the ground floor of his business, yep. mm -hmm. shaking hands with people at these fairs, mm -hmm. delivering watches to mm -hmm. people. You know, that is, um, that's something that, you know, it's just, it's really rare to find in this business. Yeah, It's, it's incredibly rare, but it's also a, a testament to, you know, what's important. And, uh, you know, having you all with us today, I think kind of reinforces that in, in this community. You know, and I think that's something that resonates with Jonathan when you get to know him and he understands the value yes. of that. And, uh, man, I wish I could have attended this event. we got to make the next one because it looked like it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was and, a lot. Uh, you know, so shout out to Jonathan. Congrats to you. I know he's got some more stuff coming down the pipeline. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we got to have you on the show, man. I sent you a text message. You got to respond to me, dog. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get you on here. And and I look forward to having you. Much, much, uh, many congrats and much success on, on the latest watch. Um, and I know you got some more brewing and, and, and we look forward to that. He's um, got some more brewing, huh? Yeah. <laughs> here you go. Pun intended. That that If he was on here, that might have to be the name of his episode. That's good. That's, That's a good, good. One. I didn't even do that on purpose. Wow. When you're good, Those you're are good. the best ones, man. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, so, we got a new watch that, that's coming out. Yes. Uh, coming out when this airs. Uh, not our watch. Uh, speaking of, you know, community, evangelist, engagement, uh, shout out to Swatch Group. Yes. Um, they got another, you guessed it, 
Moonswatch coming out. <laughs> Never saw that. <laughs> Never saw that coming, right? Yes. Uh, and if you remember anything about the the initial launch, you know how insane that was. Yes. Uh, every launch thereafter, almost just as crazy, uh, you know, popping up in sort of like random cities globally. Um, but if, if we can go back to the original release, there was what became the most sought after piece, mm-hmm. yes. which was recalled because it was staining everybody's wrist. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was the Moonswatch Neptune. Mm-hmm. So as, uh, you know, as fate would have it, this Wednesday, uh, Swatch Group is releasing a new Moonswatch Neptune <laughs> Moonshine Gold. <laughs> and it, yes, you guessed it. It is the blue Neptune Moonswatch with yes. a gold chrono seconds in. Yes. And what I have to imagine is a new and improved uh, formula that will not stain your wrist. I have to. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> yeah. I hope. Yeah. I hope so. So this thing is going live Wednesday in 86 countries globally. This is mm. quite literally their biggest release. Yes. With the moon swatch. Yeah. This is insane. Yeah. And it comes at a premium. Yeah. Uh, a pretty reasonable premium. Though. Uh, reasonable for plastic chronograph. Sure. Yes. A bioceramic. Bioceramic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this thing is going to cost you only. Two ninety five, <laughs> just about thirty five dollars above the the regular two sixty price. Yes, um, and these I remember when when this released initially, um, this watch was the one that commanded like the most in like secondary value. Yeah, the Neptune was nuts. I remember when when the Moon watches all first dropped. I was actually down in Miami with my girl mm-hmm. and. It was my birthday. It dropped on my actual birthday. Oh, wow. And uh, May 4th. And I I don't think anybody had any idea how crazy it was going to get. No. So I was like, all right, we will, you know, we'll, we'll get up early. We'll hit the Swatch store on yeah. Lincoln Ave. And, yeah. you know, you know, let's try to grab one. Sure. And, you know, I was checking Instagram and I saw like in Australia, right? Like all the countries that are like it was that were ahead of us, right? Yeah. That, where the releases were happening. Mm. I think it was I can't remember what country it was. I believe it was in Asia. Mm. Where, uh, there was like people were getting trampled, right? They were yeah, like it was breaking down the store. So once mm-hmm. I saw you that, thought I was it was like PlayStation. Yeah, I was like, yeah, all right, was yeah, we're just going to have to skip <laughs> this nuts. release. But I checked eBay the same day, right? Out of curiosity. I'm like, but all of this hype. People, I know people are going to be flipping these things. Sure. And sure enough, I saw, you know, the hottest colors at that time. Everybody wanted the Mars. They wanted Mars the Neptune, Neptune. And the, the sun, right? the bright mm-hmm. colors people yeah. were really drawn to. Yeah. But I think I saw a Neptune for like $3,000. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Like, and people were paying them. <laughs> yeah. You know? and, yeah. And imagine terrible you spend, yeah, <laughs> three grand on, on your bio ceramic and it leaves that blue stain on your Woo! wrist. Boy, I'll yeah. tell you. I remember she was crazy. There was a you tried to buy one off of a kid. At yeah, the, uh, we were at uh, where were we at the Oculus, Oculus, yeah, mm-hmm. World Trade Center. And the guy was, and the kid was like, "I want a thousand dollars," and I was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> but it's so funny because now you think about it, you know, what does that do to the OG? Right. You know, the OG Neptune, because now it's distinctive that you know there isn't a moonshine gold second hand. Um, it's the original, you know, we found that, you know, there is some provenance in imperfection. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. think in a release this big, um, it has some novelty to the point that, you know, people are like, I don't care if it stains my wrist, you know, whether they wear it or they don't, it still has some kind of value proposition to it. Yeah. And I think if you can, you know, it, 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 that watch has more or less become infamous, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I think even if you find yourself in spaces where you're surrounded by watch collectors and enthusiasts like us, mm-hmm. and you come across tons and tons of watches, I personally have yet to see someone with a Neptune person. Yeah, same. yeah, same. So this is yeah. like, I, you know, initially I was kind of getting tired of all the releases. Mm-hmm. This is a little different. This is like the most elusive yeah. of the bunch. Yeah. I think great timing for them to re-release it. Shout out to Swatch Group. Mm-hmm. Um, this is going to reinvigorate, <laughs> I think, some excitement for those who kind of fell out of the whole moon Swatch craze. Yes. Potentially. But, but you know what? Let's talk about that. Sure. Right? Because I think that there, 
the folks who kind of fell out of the moon swatch craze, right? Mm-hmm. My opinion, I think they tend to be folks that are, they're more likely to be watch people, right? If you're okay. not like a watch person. Sure. And by that, I mean a collector, mm-hmm. an enthusiast, right? Someone that would watch a show like this, for example, sure. mm-hmm. <clears throat> right? I can see folks with those sensibilities, looking at all the craze and just being turned off by that, mm-hmm. right? And saying, ah, rolling their eyes and moving on. But 99.9%, right, of people that are buying watches are not those kinds of folks. Mm. And so if you are just someone that is excited about the moon watch because you think it's a cool watch, because yeah. you like what it represents, because you just like the color, mm-hmm. right? Whatever it is that appeals to you, mm-hmm. you're still going to go buy that watch. Yeah. You know, like they're going to sell as many as they can make. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that's a great thing. Yeah. You know, so it's always interesting to me to see some of the, uh, the discourse around the moon swatch within collecting and enthusiast mm. circles because there are, you know, there are a lot of folks that that love them for what they are. Absolutely. But there are a lot of folks that really throw a lot of shade. <laughs> I mean, if you visit I any, mean, uh, it's just not that serious. Hodinky comment section uh, yeah. about moon swatch. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of moon shade. Yes. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> yes. He strikes again. Yes. Um, no, but no, seriously. But, I, you know, I think you're touching on an interesting uh, point. Right. And, you know, within our culture in New York, um, hip hop, music in general, fashion, sneakers, mm-hmm. um, there is sort of this 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 thing where when something is like piping hot, yeah. and you can kind of feel it. It warrants your attention. Yeah. Whether or not you're part of that uh, social, you know, that that social like niche group. Yeah. You're kind of just you dial in because you're like, this merits my attention. This is hot. Yeah. I'm lining up for this. Yeah. And I'm curious if that's how the vast majority of people who line up for for moon swatches today feel. Mm. Yeah. Right. Is it is it this is it the equivalent to them as like a Jordan release? Yeah. Mm. Right. Or or just like any any kind of like crazy like sneaker release. There was I mean when I think when we looked at the line and you seen like everybody that beat us to the punch. They were young kids. Like, you know, you've seen them. They were wearing the Supreme. They were wearing the Jordans. They were wearing the bathing name. Like, they were in that, like, hype Mm. space. Um, But what I found to be really cool was the fact that that was those kind of, those kids, like, introduction to watches. Right. No, that's true. So... It kind of creates this cultural shift where, you know, in your space in Complecto, where like, you know, the person that you don't expect to actually, you know, have an interest or have any knowledge in watches, they actually do. Um, and and you see it today, like, you know, I've I've seen like people that like you would never think in a million years that they'd be interested in watches. And, you know, I was talking to a kid, young kid, and he was like, I was like, what you know about these? And he was like, yeah, my daddy owns a bunch of Brightlands. Like, mm-hmm. you know what yeah. I mean? And like, that's like their intro, the same as like how it was for us. It's like, my dad wore a Rolex. So I was gifted a G-Shock when I was mm. a kid. Like all those kind of things. And now you have yeah. this like, you know, sneaker culture or like this hype culture that, you know, brings them in it as well. And then it can then turn over the idea of, you know, like you said, you know, are they just buying it because it's the hottest sure. things, you know, smoking or, oh, is this something that they're truly interested in? Mm-hmm. And how cool is it that for, you know, a good majority of people who lined up because this was a hot thing to line up for, how cool is it that in many cases their first watch is going to be a Speedmaster? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm. I think that's pretty cool. I think it is pretty cool. Careful, Shout you, out. You might, you might. I piss some people off by calling it a speedmaster now. Oh, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me, uh, you guys, all you guys. It's it's it's, I, it's still a speedmaster. It's still it's a, a speedmaster. Speed it's a speedmaster. So Mega Moon Swatch speedmaster. Yes. Um, you know, continuing on the the theme of you know introduction, clashing of of worlds, we had a, another release that that just happened this week. Uh, with a, a very high-end luxury brand, Steam brand, uh, and a very, you know, it's very well-established and respected 
uh, fashion designer. Uh, Audemars Piguet released a, a number of watches, a collection, if you will, with uh, Matthew Williams. Yes. Sir. Of uh, 1017 Alex uh, Studios. Uh, if you know anything about, uh, you know, Matthew Williams and Alex Studios, Matthew Williams comes from the school of Kanye West. Uh, he's part founder of Donda, came up with Virgil and, and, and Heron Preston uh, building Bentrill. Yeah. Uh, and as a matter of fact, today, I think he serves as the creative director for Givenchy. Mm-hmm. So this is someone with deep, deep ties yes. in the world of design, streetwear, art, fashion and i thought it was interesting because it's almost like a we kind of got this piece before mm-hmm. right <laughs> so if you if, if you know anything about the, the alex studios you know situation with, with matthew williams a couple of years ago he he did an ap uh, it was like an edition of 40 with uh, Mad Paris. Mad Paris, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, shout out to Mad Paris. Mad Paris is is a company that they they customize watches. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and to be honest, they do pretty stellar work. Have you had an opportunity to see them in person? I saw I a ceramic not. Mad Paris once. Okay. Uh, AP Mad Paris, and I was blown away. Mm. I was like, this is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Mad Paris, Artisans de Geneve. Uh, I'm, I'm always kind of Im- really impressed with how they're able to to keep the spirit of the brand. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but drastically, like, change the personality. Yes. And when you hold on to, I got that to hold one, a Mad Paris watch, or even like you talk about ADG, it still feels like it came from that brand. There's yeah. nothing about it that feels cheap. Yeah, the quality is amazing. Build yeah. quality is amazing. Uh, the colors, the design, the, everything about it is like, it's a cool watch. Yes. And then I was just thinking, like looking at this release, how cool is it? Even though it's kind of like a reissue. Yeah. But it's reissued by the brand. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So AP took it upon themselves to go to Matthew Williams and it's like, hey, dude, like that was cool. Yeah. Let's give this a run. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, it's cool. It, the coolest part about it too is that it still channels the the energy of the brand. Mm-hmm. You know, they brought back you know the two tone design. Yeah. Um. You know the minimalist part of like the dial, and then it has like those little like you know sub dial kind of, but it's not really like a sub dial. It's sure. just got like mm-hmm. those little hands on it, which like. Um, you know, it is very studious of a Kanye West, you know, a um well, it runs a Virgil. On the theme of that whole like it, less is more. It, less is more. Right. So like you 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 get that, but it still has its original DNA. Mm-hmm. What was your favorite part about this release, if anything? I think that so I'll I'll first talk about my favorite co- like piece in the collection. Okay. Right? Yeah. And it is as a whole, I, I, I really like the collection. I do too. And I'm yeah. and I am looking yeah. forward to being able to see them in person because they are above everything else. They're fun. Yeah. Right. And I yeah. think what it represents is, you know, one of the most prestigious Maisons, right? Mm-hmm. Not afraid to have fun. Yeah. Right. And not take themselves too seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Prices notwithstanding. Yeah, yo, the price is crazy. Price is not what's starting at seventy three thousand. Nuts, going up to about one ten, which is insane, right? For a time only thirty seven millimeter. Yes, seventy three k yellow gold. I mean, woof. You know, it's it's heavy. It's it's, uh it's steep. But what I what I really appreciate, right, about this effort, and I think what AP is is has been doing more broadly over the last couple of years, right? A lot of people, they love to hate the Marvel collaborations. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk um, about But again, I think it speaks to AP's willingness to explore, dip their toe in the pop culture pond. Absolutely. Right? Recognizing that there is an appetite and there, yeah. and there, there are plenty of people for whom, like, this kind of thing is going to be appealing. Um, but I think philosophically, right, what it, it reminds me of is high fashion houses, right? 
taking references from street fashion, yep. right? And street yeah. street culture, yeah. right? And I'm gonna just say what it is, appropriating that, mm-hmm. right? In some ways, right? And saying, okay, like where we, we may be the, you know, the esteemed of high fashion houses of the world, but you know what, like we can still learn, yes. right? And there's still like cues that, that we can take. And so, you know, like, you look at Balenciaga, right? Mm-hmm. You look at, you know, the birth of Off-White and, and you, now you look at Pharrell, yeah, right? As yeah. the creative director at Louis Vuitton. Yeah. And so on a certain level, right? I think AP with this partnership, mm-hmm. right? With this collaboration, it represents, it acknowledges that aspect of the culture, yeah, it does. right? In a way that I think from, from a design standpoint, uh, it honors both like the codes of AP's aesthetics, yeah. right? But also, um, uh, 1017 Alex's as well. Yeah. yeah. And and I think there's integrity in that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I appreciate that a lot. You know what's really cool too? Um, shout out to Nori because oh, yeah. shout out to Nori. He, he, had, um, he had Irv Gotti on his show. Yeah. And I think maybe about the first like 10, 15 minutes or maybe in the first five minutes, um, Nori, you know, because he's infatuated with watches now. He's Nori's got the bug. He's a watch guy. He's, he's freaking out. His, uh, his, he's on his run for his third Holy Trinity. He's, it, it, uh, exactly. <laughs> he's going. He's going nuts. And that like, man is is all the way down the rabbit hole for yeah. for all the for for all the guests that he has on the show. If they are into watches, like he's like, oh, what is that? What is he, that? He oh, he got the eight. A point to hit that, and, yeah. and he hits the point about the watches. But the funniest thing is, like, he asks. Irv, like, yo, you know, what's your son got on? He's like, oh, he's got the AP. I got this direct from Francois, et cetera, et cetera. Like, all of those kind of things. Like, I find it very funny that, like, you know, although Francois is gone, AP still keeps that tradition of staying very close to pop culture. Yeah. Because, I mean, Irv Gotti is, like, a very big character, roughneck guy from Queens. Mm -hmm. Like, most people aren't letting him through the door. <laughs> but you take someone like Francois to be like, oh, Irv's my guy, even to the point where he's got a nickname for him. Yeah, he calls him Pumpkin. He calls him Pumpkin, <laughs> like, you know, which is kind of crazy. But like in that, like you talk about someone like Francois who has a relationship with Irv Gotti, who is like this crazy dude from Queens, but then he also has like a great relationship with like Don Cheadle. It's a match world. Yeah, yeah. It's a match of is, 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 is becoming the... Uh, the ethos of of AP that I'm actually really enjoying. Yeah. My favorite part about the whole the whole release, and I I joined you. You said your favorite was the 37 millimeter. The 37 millimeter. The 37 millimeter, millimeter is my favorite oh, too. Oh, for sure. Um, though I do enjoy the the offshore. Oh hell yeah! I yeah. think it's still fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, absolutely. What I would wear, I would go with the 37. But what I really enjoyed was the photography, mm-hmm. the marketing. Yeah. And there's one. Uh, photograph in particular, and we'll we'll toss it up for all those to see. That I thought really captured the the essence of what this collaboration was, mm-hmm. and it was the one where they were all kind of sit down like against the wall, hunched over, and you could kind of see the watch. Mm-hmm. And it was just like the perfect mashup of like high end streetwear, luxury, mm-hmm. uh, punk, hip hop. Like all of these things mashed up into one, one photo. Yeah. I thought the photo was magnificent. Yeah. And that was what really sold it to me outside of like me being a fan of AP and me being a fan of of, of 1017 Alex Studios. When I saw that photo, I was like, I get it. Yes. Mm-hmm. I get it. This is hot. Yes. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And excellent, excellent job. Shout out to, to, to Matthew Williams. Um you know, I think it's I think it's I just think it's a really, really cool release. And it shows me once again um, why I am still, you know, on the waiting list and, and chasing down an AP. Yeah. <laughs> and the Royal Oak. Right. I mean, it's it's one of the most iconic designs. Right? Definitely. Not just one of the most iconic watch designs, sure. but it's one of the most iconic designs of the last century. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. Easily. Yeah. And it's it's unfortunately also become in I think many kind of collector and enthusiast circles, right? A watch that that people love to hate. Oh yeah, right? sure. <laughs> and what I appreciate again about AP is like they don't give a fuck. They really don't. They're going to keep cranking out all yeah. of the Royal Oaks and all these different variations, these different iterations, the offshores. <laughs> yep. You know, they're going to do collaborations like this. They're going to give you the Marvel stuff, right? And then they're going to give you like the Supersonery, 
yeah. right? They're going to give you the skeleton tour we own, mm-hmm. right? And they they take a lot of flack for what people perceive them to be, you know, a one trick pony with the royal yeah. oak, yeah. right? But this is a this is a house that is there in the Holy Trinity for yeah. a reason. And whether you like embrace the royal oak or not, when you handle these watches, right? The craftsmanship is beyond reproach. It yes. is. It is absolutely beyond reproach. And you know what the Royal Oak to me was always before it was like a watch? Mm-hmm. It was a design study. Yeah. Right? Like it, it was always a, a form over function type of a watch. Mm-hmm. It's a sports watch that's got 50 meters of water resistance, yeah. right? <laughs> In its like most basic form, right? But it was never intended to be like that active watch as much as it was intended to be a statement, right? Yeah. And 51 years later now, yeah. Yeah. right? It is still as, it's more of a statement now, as much of a statement as it's ever been it's still, before. It's still relevant. It's a testament 100%, to 100%, love it or hate it, like it, it's a testament to great design, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And the staying power of it. And that, again, we, that seems to be the theme tonight, right? Like talking about good design yeah. and the staying power of good design. And like when you are rooted in, like mm-hmm. just fundamentally sound, good quality design, Longevity typically follows. Yes. There you go. Agreed. Speaking of longevity, speaking of tradition. Yes. Something uh, happened this week that shook up the watch world. Mm-mm. At least here in the U.S. Yeah. I, I had people sure. out in Geneva that were kind of like unfazed. They're like, really? Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was interesting. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, but the big, uh, what some of you like to call evil empire. Yes. Mm. That is the crown, Rolex, purchased Bucharin. Yes. This week. Yeah. Um, didn't see that coming. As a matter of fact, I think it was Watch Pro that broke the news. That was at least where I saw it first. That's where I saw it first. Also. And I thought it was fake. I thought, and I was like, no, this is from The Onion. Yeah. This <laughs> yeah. I didn't believe it. Yeah. Where where, where were you guys when, when the news broke? What did you think when you first yeah. heard it? Oof. Um, it's pretty interesting because I think, shoot, it's nuts. I think I might've caught wind of it in the bungalow. Mm. Shout out to the bungalow. Mm. Um, and you know, my phone was going off crazy and I was like, hold on, this can't be right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you start doing a little bit more research and you're like, oh, this is really happening. Yeah. So then you find so many people that don't know anything about it too. So then you start sharing and everybody starts freaking out and then everybody's like, well, what does this mean for the industry? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, because we know that Rolex is nonprofit. So, you know, and we've thought that they were never going to retail. So to buy a retailer um, was pretty interesting. Um, Although we've spoke about it off camera, it's like they still have no desire to go into retail this was just more something to, you know, keep the pristine of, you know, one of their longtime relationships. Mm, Do we believe that? I don't know if I believe that. <laughs> what's, I, your, what's your take? I was, I was, I was working. I was behind my laptop mm. and I got the alert, and um, I saw it, and I was like, my jaw probably hit the table. You know? I, did, I could not believe. I, I mean, yeah. you know, listen. I mean, I, 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 I'm sure there were there. Were, I'm sure there were those that weren't shocked, mm-hmm. right? But for me, I was, I was shocked mm. because this is, this is like a monumental, you know, yeah. shift. It's pretty big. And and I, you know, my opinion is I don't think that they, I don't think Rolex made this decision in an attempt to kind of preserve, you know, the relationship that they've had with. What Bucher. do you think was the 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 driving? I think that. Well, let's take a look at the big picture, right? Sure. Rolex recently in the last year, they rolled out they rolled out the CPO, mm-hmm. right? So they got the certified pre-owned. Uh, it's it's impossible, right, to look at the secondary market and how it's exploded over the last, let's call it three to five years, sure. right? And not see the correlation with the CPO program, mm-hmm. right? You, which is being rolled out across many retailers, mm-hmm. right? Now you've got Bucherer, which what has over a hundred locations globally. Over a hundred locations globally, and and they were the first to roll out CPO. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. So now they now they own, right? Now they own Bucherer. So they've got all of those locations. The footprint is global. Yep. And it is from my perspective, right? Like they are taking ownership of the entire um ecosystem mm-hmm. right they're manufacturing and now there's right they're selling these watches yeah they now they they own all of these 
points of sale, yeah, right? Yes. And they own the CPO program, which mm-hmm. is an incredible incentive for people that want to get into the brand, yep. people that want to start relationships, mm-hmm. right, with ADs to eventually start to be able to buy new. So I just see this as, th- th- this kind of has echoes of when AP, when I got my first Royal Oak, it was in 2018. It was mm-hmm. in like the fall of 2018. And I remember I was living in the Bay Area at the time, Oakland, shout out to Oakland, shout out to the Bay Area. And I was trying to find an AD, an APAD, and there was one in the Bay Area. Mm. And I called and they said, oh, well, we no longer carry AP. Mm. And I, I did a little more investigating and that's when I, I found that AP was pulling accounts yeah. and they were moving to what we now have, which is primarily boutique the boutique, only, the boutique model. only model. And so I think what Rolex is doing, right, yeah. is a much larger scale version of that where they want to own the customer. They want to know the customer in and out. Now they own Booker. They know what everyone's buying other than Rolexes. Yes, they as do. well, right? Yeah. So this to me is a, it's a it's a major power move, and I think that it has um, it it further solidifies Rolex's strength. Yeah. Uh, within the industry because they were already far and away number one before they made this move. Mm-hmm. Now, right? Imagine if you are. If you are Patek, if you are Breitling, if you are Tag, if you are a Richemont brand or an LVMH brand that's carried by a Bucro mm-hmm. or a Tourneau, I don't know. How do you feel knowing that Rolex is the owner? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. That's wild. I don't know. What 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 was very funny, your um, you know, your um saying of first one over the hill. And when I think about AP, AP was first over the hill. With this move with Rolex, I feel like AP got shot. Um, because, you know, Rolex acquiring Bukhara, Bushra, whatever you want to call it, um, they, they took, they took something out of the playbook and then just kind of like made it very pretty. So they turned that audible into a flea flicker and you know what I mean? And then they go on for the touchdown. Yeah. Because them acquiring Bushra. It doesn't leave as much as a um, bad taste in the mouth as it did when AP pulled and went like boutique only. Well, because the, the the difference here is right is that not only do they now own all of those Booker doors that carry Rolex, but remember what just a couple of years ago Booker purchased Torneau. Yep. Yes. So the footprint is that much larger, but there's also a bunch of just standalone Rolex boutiques yes that they now also own yes so they are a boutique company now with yeah. a retail footprint yeah um i'm i'm not so sure i'm very curious and skeptical how this pans out for them in the future yes um power move maybe biting off a little bit more than they can chew Possibly. Say more. What I mean by this is now this is a a totally different avenue for you. Mm -hmm. You're a wholesale company. Yeah. You're getting into retail. You're now opening your first retail door, right? You bought a global retailer. Mm -hmm. Now, as much as, sure, anyone wants to believe that they're isolated, they're going to do their own thing. I think we all know better than that. They're looking under the hood. Yes. Right? And when you look under the hood, there's some really great things you're going to discover. There's also some uncomfortable truths. Yes. Right? Because you're going to now realize how powerful your brand is, for better or for worse. Mm -hmm. You're a multi-branded retailer. You can't can't just think about Rolex. You're a multi-branded retailer. Mm-hmm. And you own a lot of product yeah. from a lot of different brands. Yes, that you have to liquidate. But now you, you, you know, you guys have retail experience, sure, right? Now, what gets folks through the doors at multi-brand retailers? Oh, we know, right? Sure. So, and that, and that, that's why to me, you know, I feel like it's it's more of a power move from my perspective, right? Not as a, I've never worked in, in, in retail mm-hmm. within the watch industry, but as a collector, I guess as someone who's a part of the industry now, I look at it and I say, man, you know, what does this mean for authorized retailers outside of the Booker and Torneau? Right? So there's that, I thought Footprint. about that. 
And and what makes me still kind of take the position you're biting off a little more than you can chew is because from my perspective and speaking as tactfully as I can, uh, there is, exists a culture within Rolex that structures client engagements in a way that is uh, absent of having the experience of engaging clientele mm. firsthand. Mm -hmm. Now that they have access <clears throat> to that information, mm -hmm. I'm curious what they do with it. Does mm -hmm. this change the culture of engagement? Mm -hmm. Are the rules of engagement changed? Now? Yes. Um, because you're 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 in you're standing on both sides now. Yes. I think it has to. There's a part of me that thinks that this might be so much more than than they realize that it actually ends up being better for retailers outside of the Bukhara network because it could possibly change the culture and the rules of engagement on how their product is sold. It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds because yeah. I think just from anecdotally, right, mm -hmm. conversations that I've had with, with folks over the last couple of days, I think that there is a perception and I think the perception may be stronger among the general kind of non-watch aficionado public that if I want to get a Rolex, I need to go to Bucuro or Torno. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so with that, you know, the will that result in like more feet through those doors? Right. And people now feeling like, I think initially. Right. Sure. And people saying, OK, like if this is where I want to build my relationship. Right. I start up, you know, other places knowing that or, or hoping. Mm -hmm. Right. That it will lead me to. Right. Maybe the pre-owned, which will then maybe lead me to. Right. Being able to get an allocation yeah. right, at, at retail. Uh, but it's it's interesting. I, I don't know. I just I feel like as long as Rolex has been doing what, what Rolex does, even though this is a new frontier for them, um, I just, you know, they are. I don't know what top five strongest, most recognizable brands in the world for a reason. Probably, yeah. Right. Yeah, so if there's reason, another sure, yeah. there's another brand out there that is better at marketing. Man, shit, you got a book on the table here. Right. Uh, about the marketing history. At Rolex, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, they are, they have written the book, yeah. right? When it comes to marketing. And so that that tells me that they've, for them to make a move of this magnitude, they gotta have a plan. So it'll be interesting. It's gonna be interesting. It'll be interesting to see, you know? I'm curious to see how that plan pans out. And uh, what we do know is that, you know, this is gonna change the industry in some, some shape mm -hmm. or form. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no way that it's business as usual. Yes. I think that we know for sure. Yes. I just hope it ends. You know, the, one of the the outcomes is more Rolexes on more wrists, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, more people will have an opportunity to get their hands on a Rolex at some point. I hope so. I hope that that's a part of you know. I hope so. The strategy yeah. and the conversation. I hope you know? so. Yeah. I'm I'm very curious by them maybe having more control. Yeah. Right? Maybe <laughs> them having more control, right? Sure. Of their distribution now, mm -hmm. right? Hopefully that will that will result in more people that have been waiting and wanting to get one for, you know, for forever. Sure. An opportunity, you know, to be able to enjoy the brand. Yeah. Well, we're gonna have to wait and find out. That's for sure. Yes. Um, what a week. Uh, and, you know, that's not all. So um, this wraps our initial conversation. Uh, but I uh, do want to make an announcement. Um, today, when this airs, um, you know, we've been teasing you all for time. Uh, but it's finally here. We have the Rich Check Pod Wolf 1834 collab. Hey. Uh, and we'll give you a sneak peek. Uh, our producer is going to take some, some some pictures of this and we'll post it up. Uh, but here it is. A labor of love finally delivered to you all. Yes. Um, I present to you the shuttle. Inspired by the shuttle loom. Yes. Uh, which, if you know anything about denim, the shuttle loom is a manual machine that was used to create high quality denim. Um, this 
has a denim exterior, which is awesome because it'll fade, it'll patina. Uh, but the interior is where it gets crazy. Rashawn, you want to tell me about that? <laughs> so you have the leather, like the camel leather detailing yeah. um, with the two-sided um, outlines of your timepieces that you could place here. It's like a high-vis orange you have, you know, you have the the orange detailing um, with this kind of like Velcro leather um, strap that kind of keeps your watch in place. Um, on the flip, you have um, a, a really nice quote. Shout out to Ben because he um, wanted to put that in. It, it says on the grid and uh, on the grid off the radar, um, which is really cool. Um, I mean, this. This was executed better than I thought. I'm a fan. I would buy one. <laughs> Not to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Not to be biased. I mean, even, you know, the story behind it, I think there's a bit of novelty and it kind of speaks to just like, you know, our DNA as, you know, guys that came up in fashion yeah. and, and you know, students of design and, and fans of, you know, all things cool. Like, this is it. Like, you know, um, when I look at this, you know, I think of a chambray shirt and like, you know, uh, camo sure. shorts. Mm. No, this is our DNA. This is our personality. It's just, it's so uniform. Um, this is something that, you know, would, would be on your person every day. Yeah. No, this thing is great. Yeah. I, uh, it has a, a leather tab with our logo on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, you got antique, uh, brass zippers. Yes. Right. Um, this thing is sweet. It holds two watches. Uh, it's robust as hell. Wait till we show you guys the video of Ben testing it out. Yes. Uh, where he literally puts his watches in it and, and swings his cane at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, this thing is, this thing is awesome. Uh, I'm in love. So this is a limited edition run with Wolf that we did. There's only 250 units available. Uh, the price is $222. Yes. Uh, running on the theme of two. Uh, and you can get it now at our website, wristcheckpod.com. Yes. Uh, free shipping. Yes. Dope. Uh, get it while supplies last. <laughs> they won't last long. It won't. As someone who is not a member of the Wrist Check Pod and didn't have a hand in the product development, having had an opportunity to handle uh, and, and just be able to explore uh, the case, it's a really well-made case. It's Thank a beautiful you. case. Thank you. Uh, you. You guys made some really nice design choices. So just congrats on Thank uh, you. a really, really dope first product. Hopefully um, the first of many more to come. Definitely the first of many because uh, it ain't the last. But Jason, you got something you've been cooking up too. What do you got for I do. I do have something. And as a matter of fact, I have it in this... Uh, this beautiful in a Rolex pouch in a Rolex pouch. <laughs> Ooh. And, um, you know, Complecto is dipping our toe into the product pond as well. And uh, for folks that have been, you know, kind of following uh, the movement and the growth of the community has been tremendous. And with that, the appetite mm -hmm. right for us to start to venture right into doing collaborations as well. And so I'm really excited to share that we've got our first watch. Let's go. Yeah, we've got our first watch that's coming. It's going to be launching in late October. And uh, I actually brought it here so you all could check it out. And uh, as you can see, actually, no, you can't see because it's blurred out. But you will be able to get some more details. Uh, we're going to be dropping some teasers uh, for the watch in early October. Uh, we're going to have a pre-sale in October. The watch is probably going to be launching, uh, I would say, wind up watch time weekend which is the biggest watch weekend in new york awesome so keep an eye out for that but this is a culmination of uh just a lot of blood a lot of sweat a lot of tears a lot of hustle yeah and i am so incredibly uh, appreciative of the brand with whom we are partnering on this watch i'm excited to share it when the time is right but it's a piece that i think is uh, is going to really exceed the expectations yeah. uh, of our community. Uh, it is going to be accessible 
uh, to, to collectors at, you know, at, at, at really every price point. Uh, and it's a piece that I think in a partnership, most importantly, that really reflects the inclusive ethos of mm. Complecto and what we represent. So, um, I, yeah, man, I'm just I'm I can't be more excited. Not going to front. I'm a little anxious, too. I don't, sure. know, I don't know how y'all are feeling. Right. Mm-hmm, but it's mm-hmm. like it's a little scary you sure. know, to, to kind of contemplate moving into actually doing a product and selling. It, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Once upon a time, I used to. I used to make music and publish music. And when you are an artist or an artisan of any kind, right, and you are ready to share your art with the world mm-hmm. as confident as you might be in it and as excited as you might be about it, you know, you may have questions like, is everyone else going to care about this and like this as much as I do? Yeah. Right. And so there's a little bit of that, you sure. know, uh, you know, moving into this. But uh, I am just I'm overwhelmed with how much uh, support you know, the ideas are already received. You know, many folks within our community already know the watch is coming mm-hmm. and people are ready to buy it sight unseen, you know, awesome. because they are just so excited about, you know, the movement, you know, that, that yeah. we're pushing and, and, and what our community and what the platform represents. This is a full circle moment, my man. I mean, it's crazy. You know, you think about it, you know, Risk Check Pod was, was founded at Finelli's. Yes. Uh, for those of you who, who frequent New York or, or are familiar with uh, downtown New York City, yes. you know, Finale is a staple and Finale's is where we met. That's right. And, uh, you know, to to create what we've created and, 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 and to put the work in to come to a moment where we're now entering the commercial space, yeah. I think is, is pretty incredible. Um, and it's inspiring me to name this episode Finale's Favorites. So... That's episode 64. <laughs> it's a good title. Uh, I want to say thank you to Jason Gong for joining us this evening. Yes, yes. Thank you for uh, having me. For those of you watching and listening, you know where to find us. Wristcheckpod.com. Yes. Uh, also on Instagram, at Wristcheckpod. And uh, we'll see you next week. This is live. Go buy it. Yes. Later. Peace. Peace.